Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success, where each week I bring you a dynamic guest. And tonight we have an incredible guest. Her name is Jean Newell. She is uh, the author of How to Turn Your Pink Slip into a Red Hot Business. She's also uh, has great experience that we'll uh, I'll elaborate in her bio and we'll talk about. Her website is www.jeannewell.com, and again, it's J-E-A-N-N-E-W-E-L-L.com. Her contact information is 800-513-2025, and she has a website, a product website, which is www.lovemypop.com. And her business startup website is www.newcommarketing. It's, it's uh, new, www.newcommarketing.com. I invite you to take a look at those because they're great sites. Let me give you a little bit of information about our guests. When Jean Newell, a 35-year veteran realtor, saw the decline of the real estate market, she knew she would have to make drastic changes to her future retirement plans. As a boomer, she was too young to retire and seemingly too old to start over in another career. Jean felt her only option was self-employment. She had an idea for a product and decided to become an inventor. The naysayers told her she lacked the education and financial support to become an entrepreneur. I'm sure many of us have heard that same story. However, Jean set out to prove them wrong. She successfully created, manufactured, distributed, and self-marketed her products to major retail chains, gift catalogs, and the electronic shopping channel QVC. In addition to her regular QVC appearances, Jean has also been featured in national print and electronic media, such as the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, Miami Herald, and the New York Daily News. She has also appeared on Fox News, The Bonnie Hunt Show, The Montel Williams Show, and The Today Show. After her interview with Matt Lauer, Jean realized the need for another product a book to inspire people in career transactions, uh, transitions, appropriately titled How to Turn Your Pink Slip into a Red Hot Business. Jean Now, the quintessential boomerpreneur, is on a mission to inspire and educate the unemployed to find their hidden passion and their own income-producing opportunity. Welcome, Jean. I am so excited to have you as a guest on my show tonight. Well, hello, Robbie. It's so it's my pleasure to be here with you tonight. Uh, why did you become decide to become an inventor? Well, I was in a 35-year real estate career, and I don't know how that was possible, Robbie, because I'm only 39 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but I call it the new math. Um, <laughs> I well, was. I love uh, it. <laughs> Uh, maybe in dog years or something. But anyway, I was in real estate, and I uh, I found a need for a product because 
I was carrying so many little gizmos and gadgets around with me all day, I thought I was losing my mind. I would lay up my pen down or my glasses or my cell phone, and I got in the habit of trying to, I had to call my own cell phone, cell phone from someone else's cell phone to try to find mine because I was always misplacing it. So I, said, <laughs> I think everybody can relate to that. So I said, you know, I'm going to go down to Home Depot and I'm going to buy one of those little cloth nail aprons that say Home Depot across the front. And I'm going to wear it with my business suits just so I have the luxury of having some pockets. Because, you know, most women's um, business suits or, or business attire, they don't have pockets. And who wants to carry all of our things in pockets anyway? So that's what the need was, was some kind of a professional tool belt, if you will, or some kind of a professional accessory to carry all these little things that we could attach to ourselves in in some way across our body or over our shoulder, across our waist, so we could keep our hands free to get in out of the homes. So I thought I was losing my mind, and as it turned out, every single person in my office said they were having the same problem. But nobody was discussing that. So that's how I got into the invention business is strictly <laughs> a problem, and we you had to solve it. Yeah, that, you saw that, a need, and that, that is really good. Did you have a background in manufacturing or distribution? No, not really. I didn't have any kind of manufacturing background. But in some ways, uh, distribution, if you wanted to even call that a little bit of marketing, um, you know, I was in new home sales, and I've also worked for builders and developers along the way, and I think that has a lot to do with understanding how things get into stores and so forth, but not really a formal background at all. Uh, I wasn't even too sure how any kind of uh, product actually arrived on a shelf. I don't think a lot of us know the intra, uh, inter, you know, active uh, process that goes on to getting a product on the, the shelf. So that was all new to me. What was the first challenge you faced? Well, there was a lot of challenges, of course, and uh, one was uh, actually finding someone to manufacture my product. And I, I, I'm here in Florida, and I had a coworker who thought he knew someone in Florida that was in the bag business. So we got in touch with him. But the biggest challenge was, uh, first of all, making sure that there was a, a bigger need for this than just my office. So we, we started talking it up to various other real estate offices and so forth and found out that, yes, a lot of people were having this problem. So our first challenge was, should we order, you know, how many should we order? Because you don't want to get yourself, you know, over, um, you know, over manufactured and, and so forth. So we wanted to make sure that whatever we ordered we could we could deal with. So mm-hmm. the, the first big challenge was to not only find the manufacturer but to agree on some kind of a inventory. And right. this is kind of a funny story, but... I had I was getting calls from other real estate offices wanting to order my product before it was even manufactured because word had started to spread in the industry that I had created this bag. So I had about 88 pre-orders on a bag that didn't even exist yet. <laughs> so did you I, put their na- did you put the real estate company's names on the bag or were they just sold without any names or no, I didn't put any names on the bags. 
Um, But the the reason why they're called the PUP, by the way, is it stands for Personal Utility Pouch. So there is a little little paw print on it. But I called down to the uh, manufacturer in Miami, and I said, you know, I think I would like to go ahead and place an order. He'd already sent me several samples, so I got an idea, and I shared that with the office, and we had little mini focus groups and discussing it. And that's that's one of the uh, pieces of advice that I share with aspiring entrepreneurs or inventors is to make sure you have some kind of a working prototype so you can pass it around your office or around uh, to other people in your demographics that might be interested in your product before you go out on a limb and order a lot of them. It's like a marketing research game is really That's exactly right. You have to know you have to know your market. But in any event, I called down there and I said, I think we want to go ahead and place a small order. And I thought, well, I have 88 people that say they want it, so I'll be conservative. I'll just order, you know, maybe two or three dozen. So I said, I'd like to have uh, three dozen. And my manufacturer's rep said, well, three dozen is our minimum. And I said, oh, that's great. We're right on target. I said, so um, when will I be able to get those? He says, no, you're not hearing me. I'm not saying three dozen is our minimum. I'm saying three thousand is our minimum (laughs) so right off the bat the first big challenge was do i go ahead and take that leap of faith and order three thousand bags for my first order when in reality you know i thought it was going to be a good idea quite a few people told me it was but you're still you still have to believe in yourself and take that chance right that is. Uh, so I'm sure once you got them in, you sold them out faster than you even imagined. Well, they were selling um, very fast, and then um, um, a QVC came into the picture very quickly, and they wanted their own 3000 So I had to turn around and order another 3000 I thought I was going to have a heart attack on the first 3000 So <laughs> the second 3000 um within you know, a month's time uh, just about did me in. But... You know, when things take on a life of their own like that, the, the company and the product seem to just take off and almost as if it had, as I said, a, a life of its own. What support, if any, did you have to take on such a large, large endeavor? Well, I really didn't have a lot of support. And uh, now, today, they have a lot of training. You know, in the colleges, I'm sure there in, uh, in California, across the country, all the colleges have entrepreneur classes and uh, various different um, degrees in business. and entrep- There's actually a, a degree in entrepreneurism here in, in my area. But back then it was difficult because people back in the, this was in the early 2000s, about 2003, when people were, you know, we were all slap happy. We were spending money and, and real estate was good and we weren't worried about starting businesses. And right. I didn't really know where to go. I didn't really have a support system. So I, the first place that I went to, and I think this is really good advice for anyone, is to go to your local small business development center. And there they can send you in the right direction. There might be all kinds of women um, business seminars or um, the small business uh, development and and uh, Women's Business Center and SCORE and all those those free services 
that are tax dollars paying for, so you might as well take advantage of them, and get get on their email list and start going to all the seminars that they provide. And that gives you, you know, someone and some place that you can connect to because the worst thing that can happen is if you don't have any support is we fall we we fall victim to these advertisements on TV that say, you know, you got a great invention, you know, call this 800 number or we're going to take care of it for you and then you get into one of those invention scams. And yeah, that, they take all your money. That's right. And next thing you know, you've spent, you know, 8 or 10,000 dollars and you still don't have anything to show for it. So that would be my first my first suggestion is is to do what I did is to just go right to your small business development center and start they're, networking. They're headed up by by the SBA Small Business Administration in right, the area South. That's correct. But what adversities did you face starting a business? Well, the the biggest one, and I think everyone faces this, is capital. You know, you really don't. Once you get started, all of a sudden you realize oh, my word, I do have an order. And if things happen quickly, like they did for me, all of a sudden there's an opportunity, but then you don't have the capital for it. And people have to be so careful of that because uh, it's so easy to put things on credit cards and, and um, you know start borrowing against your house or your insurance or something like that. And it's almost like an addiction in a way. It's like a gambling addiction. You keep putting more and more money into it. So the capital is always the biggest challenge. And here I was faced with um, an opportunity with QVC, and I needed to have some funds for that second set of 3,000 bags uh, or pup bags. Um, So I went to various banks that were recommended to me for small business loans, and (laughs) they all were not very interested in me because the first question out of their mouth was, how long have you been in business? And, of course, I'd only been in business a couple months. And I would say, I would look at my watch and I would say, counting today? <laughs> and that's not the answer they want to hear. You know, they want to hear you've been in business two or three years and you've put a lot of money into your own business and you've got that sweat equity in your business. So it was very difficult. I went to 11 banks and were turned down by all 11 banks for a, just a small loan to get started. Well, I think back in those days, they really didn't do small loans. I know I've had a lot of involvement with SBA, not for loans, but I've spoken for them and things like that and been in their development center. But um, I think, and I always kept saying, sometimes people don't need that much money. Can't you guys come up with smaller loans where they don't have to have so much in order to get it? And I think nowadays they do have that. Well, and the problem is with it, most of the banks, and even the ones that do the small business loans, as a matter of fact, just so people will know, I ended up with an equity loan against my home because I did already have one in place with a zero balance. So I was able to tap into the equity on my home. But the most of the banks tell me that they would, they'll loan you money if it's for machinery or for real estate or for a building. But for inventory, they do not like to loan money on inventory. But that's not to say that there's not someone out there that will. There's a lot of angel investors or some of the uh, banks that keep the loans in-house and they're a little bit more flexible than trying to go through the, you know, the, the government small business loans and so forth. But that's always been the biggest challenge in life is capital, isn't it? It has been. What advice would you give, you know, lately more and more people are getting 
pink slips and becoming an unemployed. So what advice would you give someone who is unemployed? Well, that's a big topic here on the Space Coast. That's where I am in Florida. We just had 8,000 people laid off from the shuttle program and another couple, three, four hundred laid off from a big boating company and our county or our area is not that big. So that was a big, that was a big percentage of um, unemployed going back into the, in the work market. So what I tell people to do is, well, first of all, I'll do a little plug for my own <laughs> website. I have a little quiz on one of my websites, which is the newcomarketing.com. If they go there, they can take a little self-evaluation test because the first thing that people need to know is who am I? Because so many times people get laid off after a career in a business, you know, 25, 30 years, and they've always been known as whatever their career was. And now they're unemployed. Now what are you going to do? You're an ex-aerospace engineer. What are you going to do with that? So you have to find out who I am and what can I bring to the table based on my expertise, not the title that I owned for the last 25 or 30 years. So I tell people first, what they might want to do is take a piece of paper. This is on that website. It's just part of the little test. And it's and, newco.com, right? right. Mm-hmm. Newco Marketing. Okay, newcomarketing.com. Okay, great. All right, continue. So you take a piece of paper and you draw a line down the center. And on the left-hand side at the top, you write everything that I like to do. And then on the top of the right-hand column, you put everything that I do well. So on the left-hand side, I, I tell people to go somewhere where it's relaxing. Don't try to do this when you're stressed at home and the kids are talking to you and the dog's barking. Go for a drive, go to a park, go to the beach, whatever. Sit there and start to kind of <laughs> meditate a little bit and get in touch with you and just write every single thing that you like to do. And it doesn't, you don't have to, con, you know, think necessarily work, just anything. If you like walking in the morning, if you like watching football, you like sleeping in the afternoon, it doesn't matter. You write everything down because there's a there's a method to this madness. As you're writing everything down that you like to do, you're going to feel a little bit happier because you're going to go to happy places in your mind, which opens up some creativity. So you're just going to write down all the things you like to do. On the right-hand side, you're going to write down everything that you do well. And when I say well, you're going to take a scale from 1 to 10. And if you do something from 5 or above, consider it well. So if you hear people comment, oh, my gosh, you give such great dinner parties, write that down. Anything that people have told you, any trophies or awards that you've gotten in the past, write all those things down. Because what we're trying to do is see if there's some hidden passions there, some hidden talents that you've kind of forgotten about that maybe you can dust off and uh, recreate, manifest them into something, um, maybe a new business. And how this how this can work, and kind of giving it as an example, I was working with one of the aerospace engineers last year, and he did this test, and he had down on his left-hand side of the paper that he, he liked to take walks, and he liked to play with dogs, and he he um, liked taking care of people's homes, and, um, you know, he, he was responsible, and he, he liked checklists, and 
but he liked uh, the outdoors and the freedom of of animals and he was volunteering at the Humane Society and so forth walking dogs and on the right hand side you know he put down that he was you know a very responsible person and he um he liked to uh, help out and uh, all the different things that um you know we were looking at that meant you know he had some responsibility there so we started kind of looking across the board and discovered that why wouldn't he want to maybe open up a a pet service maybe a dog walking pet service people on vacation and you know pet industry right now is a multi-million billion dollar right uh, market and there's a lot of people that are employed that can't get home to walk their pets or whatever and he opened that up and it was a great success because he didn't have to put a lot of money into it and right. he didn't have to open up a brick and mortar store he could get started almost as a consultant and those are the kind of things that people can do. And maybe in the interim, while they're waiting to get employed, they start their own home-based consulting business or home-based business, uh, doing something that they already have a little bit of a talent for. Um, and maybe it's even be working a, as a eBay reseller or, or anything that you feel like you could go out and look for. There's people out there looking for collectibles and then selling them on eBay. There's all kinds of things people can do, but until they take a little uh, inventory of their talents, they kind of forget what they can do. So right, that would be my again, advice. Tell them again where to go to take that little uh, self-test. Go to NUCO Marketing, and that's N-E-W-C-O, M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G, NUCOMarketing.com. Oh, good. All right, why should you listen to, when should you listen to the experts and not proceed? Well, that's always a challenge, Robbie, because so many times people are going to tell you not to do something. So right, do you, I agree. Do you listen to the people that tell you not to do something or do you listen to the people that say go for it, you know? <laughs> I listen to my gut and I do what my gut tells me to do. It never leads me astray. Well, this is I, I do a lot of seminars in this area, and that always comes up. And I, I use a lot of uh, examples of how you know celebrities and famous people that we know from the past and what was told to them. Like um, Elvis was kicked out of his choral class because his teacher said she didn't like the sound of his voice. You know, now what if he'd have listened to her? Right. <laughs> so those are the kind of things. But. If you're, if some of the experts are telling you no, but it seems like your demographics, your, and your the people that are going to take your services or or use your product, um, they're all saying, you know, I like it, I, and they're they're being honest with you. You're they're not they're not just, you know, um, exaggerating on what they like and don't like about your product. They really seem truthful to you, and that they really like your product, and you you seem to be selling your product, and you keep hearing the same things over that it's a good product, and some experts like it and some don't. I would continue to proceed. However, if all the experts tell you no, see if you can find out what it is about it that they don't like, and if a lot of your uh, clients are telling you no then I wouldn't be really stubborn and say, well, I'm going to do it anyway, and they'll just come to love it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you really want to really hear what people are telling you because your clients are your your best source of information. And there there were times I tried to get my product on HSN, as an example. Five times I tried to get the product on there, 
and could not get the product on at all uh, through various sources. But then the first time I sent it to QVC, they accepted it right away. Now, here's two equal sources of expertise. Why would one want it and one not want it? It's because so many of these experts are people. They're not a committee. Nobody's voting on it. It's one person's opinion. And if you happen to have a product or a service or a book or whatever it is, and you're sending it to one person who's evaluating it, and they just, for whatever reason, don't like it personally, unfortunately, they have the power (laughs) to say no. And sometimes we take that power that this one individual has as the power of that entire company. So yeah. if I, after being turned down five times from HSN, you know, probably maybe a normal person would have given up, but you have to be a little ad, abnormal to be an entrepreneur anyway. Um, I just decided I'd try a different source. So that's that would be my advice on that. How has your company expanded into other products and services? Well, I started off with one product called the PUP, the Personal Utility Pouch, and that uh, worked very nicely for me. I was on QVC, oh my gosh, 35 times in 18 months. And I mean, I was traveling back and forth from Florida to Pennsylvania, didn't even know where I was coming or going. But I listened to what my my customers were saying to me, and they were telling, giving me little bits bits of information on how they were using it because it has, you know, open pouches and so forth for the cell phone and, and the Palm Pilots and all that, that back in the day. And I was listening to them and, and hearing that they, you know, had new devices coming out and they needed bigger pro, uh, pockets and so forth. So I, I created a product called the Gizmo, and the Gizmo is a little bigger. But the point is I was listening to what my customers were telling me and I created a product to solve their problems. And again, it always goes back to solving a problem. It doesn't always have to be with a product. It could be naturally with a service or it could be with a book or uh, consulting or, or whatever the problem is. But that would be the, the first thing is, you know, thinking in terms of what your your client wants. So I came up with a different product. From that, because I was self-marketing and doing a lot of these seminars and and because Small Business Development Center was uh, so good to me, I started doing seminars for them, and they asked me to, um, you know, do more and more seminars. And all these different seminars, they were all on a little bit different subjects. One was on concept to commerce, and one was on marketing and so forth. And the next thing I know, I looked at all these seminars, Robbie, and I said, these are chapters in a book. So <laughs> it just sort of led into the writing of my book, how to turn a pink slip into a red hot business, and from there again I started doing private consulting. But I never would have thought inventing a product would lead to a book in private consulting. But it just is the natural uh, path of things. And of course, when you're speaking, then you have the book there that people can take it and gain even more knowledge of you know at their time to refer back to things that you said in your talks. That's right. And you, you just never know where it's going to lead. So sometimes coming up with a great idea, if you're out of work, that great idea could actually lead to maybe a second, third, and fourth idea. And it's actually the fifth idea that's actually what you put to action. But you have to start with 
something. You have to start with an idea, a problem, a solution, um, a need, and then it grows from there. So it, it, mine's expanded out based on uh, just the demand of the information that people wanted. Um, so uh, what parting advice would you offer our audience? Well, one thing is you want to f- try to find something that you like to do. Um, if you like to, um, you know, read, if you like to play golf, try to figure out a way to bring that into your business. I put together a little uh, entrepreneur's creed, I call it, and it's the first thing I say is you want to believe anything is possible. If you don't believe it, it, it can't happen. So believe anything is possible. Number two, you want to enjoy what you do. Uh, as if, if you enjoy what you do, what's the expression? You'll never feel like you work a day in your life if you enjoy what you do. So enjoy what you do. Number three, you do whatever it takes. There are times when I'm doing something, uh, sweeping out my warehouse and and jumping on a plane and doing all kinds of things that you wouldn't think would you know come together, but you have to do what it, whatever it takes to become successful. And then the fourth is don't abandon your dreams. Don't give up on yourself when everybody else wants to do so. I totally. So, Jean, let's give them again how they can reach you, your website, and your phone number. Oh, my phone number is 800-513-2025, and my website is www.jean.com. Newell, N-E-W-E-L-L dot com, or com. And also, what about the product website? The product website is uh, love L-O-V-E, my, pup, P-U-P dot com. Lovemypup.com, remembering it's not a dog, <laughs> it's a personal utility pouch. <laughs> and your book title is? How to Turn Your Pink Slip into a red hot business and they can go to I have a site for that too turn your pink slip into a red hot business.com okay well it has been it's amazing how fast the half an hour goes but it's wonderful to have you on the show and I wish you great success and I got to go look at that pop I probably need one of those that's right well I'm going to send you one you just pick out the color you want <laughs> all right darling thank you so much it was so informative. I'm sure you gave some people, you know, I'd love them to go try that uh, thing that you have to find out what they, who they really are and what they really want to do. That's a great idea. Self-evaluation and, test. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. Okay. And uh, next week, our show will be on Friday again instead of Thursday because I have another event I have to be to. And our guest will be Christy Kennedy, and the topic will be In Pursuit of Purpose and Passion. So, again, I want to thank you uh, for being my guest tonight. You were fabulous, and I learned a lot. And I wish you great success. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. All right, Jean. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.